and welcome to another episode of the Chobo Football Podcast. I'm your host, John Marco Cheng, and I'm joined by Mark Kinyanjui. Hi, Mark. Hey, hi, guys. It's good to see you again. Uh, we had uh, fun. Uh, we had an amazing talk last week, uh, and I hope uh, today's talk is going to be even better. Uh, controversy, sana. So um, it's, it's been an interesting weekend of football. So um, let's see how the talk takes us. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you so much for coming. Um, we'll just go straight to the point. We'll start with the big game of the weekend. It was Liverpool winning 3-1 yes. against Arsenal. Yes. What did you think yeah, about the game? Um, uh, to be honest, um, as an Arsenal fan, of course, I'm disappointed to have lost the game uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, as as a fan, you're, you're always optimistic. You always want what's best for your team. But um, going to Anfield, to be fair, was a tough call uh, because mm-hmm. um, I read somewhere today that Anfield haven't lost a game. Um, Liverpool haven't lost a game at Anfield um, since 2018 when... West Brom won uh, by controversially by three goals to two um, mm-hmm. in a match that was um, dominated by VAR uh, yeah. and controversial goals given to Craig Dawson, if you can remember that match. Yeah. Um, to be honest, um, I think that, um, you know, um, Ateta did what he had to do because that's the only way we would have set up for the game because that's Anfield. Um, uh, he set up the system uh, the exact same way he set it um, against uh, this Liverpool side in the Community Shield uh, with the exception of uh, Saka for, you know, uh, the new boy, William, and Lacazette for coming in for Eddie Nketiah. And um, to be fair... Um, Liverpool were the better side. Uh, we know how they always play. We know um, that, you know, they'll always try to to press uh, until the last minute because it's a mentality that's instilled in them um, yeah. to press to the very last minute, that heavy metal football. So mm-hmm. they sort of like took advantage of our midfield because our midfield is not quite there yet. That's why we are being linked to the likes of Pacha and Oa. Um, they ganged up on the midfield, which means they were drawing the um, some money and Salah were drawing our fullbacks inside. Uh, that is Bellerin and and Insulimit Niles and Tierney was was not being allowed to bo- to bomb forward like usually does. So um, they they obviously took advantage of that and then uh, took advantage of the wide spaces where Tierney and Robert I'm sorry uh, Trent Alexander Arnold and Robertson were always like whipping in those crosses because we know that they like to dominate those wide spaces. Um, so um, to be honest, um, another mistake was going one nil up at Anfield because uh, we knew that they were always going to. To bring, um, we have, they were always going to step on the on the pedal, you know. Um, they were always going to step on the clutch, mm. and we paid the price eventually. And um, Lacazette was, uh, to be honest, um, shocking in terms of his finishing, uh, because mm. we know he he scored the first goal, but he missed two clear cut chances. Uh, the first yeah. from a through ball that came from 
Bellerin, I think it was, from that right hand flank, and then Ceballos later with a through ball. And, you know, um, we didn't take advantage of those chances and we were, we were made to pay for that because Jota came on as a substitute, um, scored the third goal. Uh, we know uh, there was controversy in the fact that um, he apparently handballed it using his bicep, uh, but... You know, uh, the ref allowed play to continue and he took his chance. And that's how we ended up losing. So what do you think about uh, the match yesterday? Um, I think Arsenal, they gave Liverpool too much respect in that game. That's what I truly believe. Yeah. Like, un- yeah. Unlike the community shield, Arsenal were not as brave as they yeah. were. And yes, yes, it's true. They let Liverpool have possession, which is shown by the passes per defensive action. They let them have 35.6 yes. for every defensive action, which yeah. like, uh-huh. they literally just sat back. They let Liverpool have the ball and basically do whatever they want. Yeah, so we were, we were basically very pragmatic. We gave them too much... Um, Respect. Um, could you kindly give us the, um, the XG metric from the match? Oh, um, I'll, I'll just give you all of the stats. Uh, Liverpool yeah, had yeah, yeah, yeah. 66% possession. Arsenal had 34. Liverpool outshot yes. Arsenal with 21 and 8 on target compared to Arsenal's 4 and 3 on target. And yes. Liverpool had an XG of 2.74 compared to Arsenal's 1.18. Yes, so in short, um, it was a game that was expected to end by around three goals to two, uh, but we didn't take our chances because um, we obviously knew that uh, Liverpool were going to impose their game because um, at Anfield, you know, you can't expect to dominate the possession. Um, I feel it's true we gave them too much respect, yeah. but this is a game where um, um, it needed our strikers to take their chances. You remember like the game at the Emirates when they totally dominated us, but we won that game um, on the fact that we were able to take our chances from the press uh, mm-hmm. when Rhys Nelson and Alexander Lacazette um, pressed the life out of, of Alisson and Van Dijk and we forced them with some mistakes out of them and we ended up winning that match when Niv, we were extremely pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about... Um, the two controversial uh, referring decisions, uh, the first being uh, the Mane red card when he took uh, Kierantini apart. We know that Kierantini is a boy from Glasgow, but he was taken apart. Uh, but um, he should have been sent off. Um, having rewatched that incident, I think it was a red card. And um, if we are talking about this new handball rule, um, where Diego Jota uh, received the ball, um, somehow with his bicep. I don't, I don't understand how it happened, but uh, he, he received it with his bicep before he ended up scoring the goal. What do you think about those two referring mistakes? Because uh, this is a show that is going to be dominated a lot by controversial decisions that happened over the weekend. Uh, okay. Um, I think for the first one by Mane, the referee looked more at the intention in, instead of the action. Uh-huh. Even yes, though um, the action is dangerous, like uh-huh. uh, it could have caused a, a lot of drama. Like if Tierney like had a wound on on his face and he was bleeding, it would have been a red. It's basically yes the effects of the contact 
which led to yeah. his decision not giving it as a red card. Yes. So, um, according to you, you think it wasn't um, a red card? Wouldn't it have been at least some sort of like a, a, um, a yellow card or something? Oh, I think it it was a red card. I'm just like explaining how the, the referee ah, was thinking. Yes, yes. Now the referee was and, looking at the effects. Ah, yes, yes. And what about um, Jota's goal, uh, the build-up to Jota's goal, where he he looked like the ball hit his bicep. You know, it's like he came for it with his bicep. And according to the new handball rule, it's, it's apparently favoring... Okay, I understand it's favoring the attacker, but what do you think about that rule in general? Because it's a ball that you see clearly hit his bicep or, or the... Um, or the or the upper or the lower part of the upper side of the arm. What do you think? Um, okay, I think uh, if um, the VAR, like if the players don't cause any controversy about it or the referee speaks about it, it's very yeah. important for them to know like what actually happened. Yes. So like if um, Liverpool are two one up, they're on top of, of the game. Arsenal are getting beat beat no chances. It basically yeah. didn't matter at that point whether it was uh, oh but um someone was actually making a claim that um at the eighty sixth or eighty seventh or eighty eighth minute uh, at the time when Jota netted that goal, um even though Liverpool were the better side because they were the ones imposing the game at Anfield, uh, we were we were still in the game because we were only a goal down. Yeah. Um, you know, um at that point when a goal like that is scored, it changes the dynamic of the of the opposition because the opposition uh, knows he has the, the opposition knows that it has little to no time to make up for their amends especially given your two goals down and the in the home side is the one imposing its game on you so it's very difficult to come back with two goals in you know two to three minutes at that point so yeah. um I, I genuinely believe that um, there were two, it was one of the worst um, uh, refereeing um, sort of like displays that I've seen uh, for the weekend at least. Um, what do you think? I think almost all referees were just having a mess the entire weekend. Yes, and we'll get to that. Um, so moving on to a game that, oh, wait, in my opinion... I... I have yes. a, mm-hmm. a, a, a start for Arsenal, which yes. will really shock people. Arsenal mm-hmm. have produced just 24 shots. Only West Brom have mm-hmm. attempted fewer. Serious. Imagine, <laughs> which means the so, lack of creativity. Yeah, in our midfield, you know, mm. the lack of like um because um I was I was speaking to someone um early in the day and I was telling yeah. him um looking at the display against um, West Ham, West Ham were imposing their game on us because they have physic- they had physically, they had the physical advantage because uh, Sushek, Sushek um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that name properly, and Rice were, you know, they are, they are, they are, they are, they are strong, they are athletically better than um, Xhaka and Ceballos combined. So uh, they imposed their game on us and we won that game purely against the run of play. Um, I was telling someone that, yes, um, by signing Hussein Moua, uh, we'd be getting a top 
top player because um, we lack that sort of player who can sort of like, you know, drift between the lines. We lack that sort of player who can like, um, you know, control, um, help us um, impose our dominance on, on the other side because uh, people would gang up on him when he does whatever he does best. Uh, but at the same time, um, I think we need party more than we need Owa because we lack that sort of like someone who's like, um, you know, someone who can carry the ball forward, someone who can sort of like, uh, you know, impose his dominance, his physical dominance on the opposition because we know Thomas Party is physically um, one of the best midfielders in Europe. Uh, we know that he's one of the best ball-carrying midfielders. Um, I read a stat somewhere that he had uh, the best um, dribble completion ratio uh, of any midfielder in Europe alongside, um, I think it was Thiago Alcantara and this Chelsea guy called Mateo Kovacic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, you know, we, we lack that sort of player who can progress the ball, who can, like, carry the ball forward, who can also, like... And help the defense with his shuttles and his energy. We lack that sort of like Patrick Vieira esque midfielder, if you yeah. get what I'm saying. Yeah. And in my opinion, I think we should we should be Pata should be the priority. Uh, we know there is a week left of the window. We should be activating that release clause. And then if we can get wow, that's a bonus. But in my opinion, we already have firepower at the moment. Um, but we need um, Thomas Pache because we lack that of, that sort of like um, profile of player that I just described unto you. Yes. Yeah. And uh, speaking about uh, midfielder with presence, let's move on to the City yes. versus Leicester game, which when yes. <laughs> when Fernandinho was subbed off, like everything just yes. went into chaos. Yeah, everything collapsed because um, to be honest with you, uh, Leicester actually surprised me with how they set up. Uh, we know that um, Brendan Rogers uh, prefers playing in a 4-1-4-1 formation. Um, yeah. That's a formation he used a lot last season. Um, at, um, in the first half of last season, it was very successful because uh, he used to take the game to the opposition before um, his players started suffering from injuries and fatigue and then they sort of like lost their momentum and eventually... Um, you know, ended up missing out on Champions League places. Uh, but this time they came with a plan. Um, they came with that sort of like back five formation. Um, yeah. We've seen that Man City have struggled uh, to deal with back five formations. Um, we saw it in against Lyon in the Champions League quarterfinals last season. Uh, we saw it in the FA Cup semi-finals against Arsenal. We, we've, we've seen how Wolves have tended to like give them problems um, ever since they got promoted with that back five formation. Um, Chelsea even tried it at Stamford Bridge last season after lockdown when they won by two goals to one where they sat back. Then um, went ahead on the counter using the pace of the likes of Pulisic and Willian. Yeah. And that's the kind of approach that you know, Leicester City adopted. Um, he went for um, Daniel Amate, the Ghanaian at centre-back alongside um, Kagla Soyunku and who was it? Johnny Evans on the left-hand side of that um, back three. Yeah. And to be honest, um, City started at the 
as the better side they even went ahead through a set piece goal um, i i really believe that was a world class setup uh, the way um they set mares to score that goal on his weaker foot because he was totally unmarked and he was out of the box and mm. i even didn't expect him to score the goal the way he did um and then from there um, um because city sort of like started without a natural center forward because was gabriel jesus injured i guess yeah i think he's um, like four weeks or something yeah so um he sort of went for like rahim sterling at a, as a sort of like a false nine mm-hmm. and then you know probably he wanted to sort of like you know um take fernandinho off because rodri was already controlling the game um he probably wanted to sort of like um you know bring a striker because we know that that delap guy who looks like ozil and de bruyne combined <laughs> uh we know that <laughs> we know that he had a good game during the week against bournemouth scoring two goals on his debut for city so he he sort of like wanted to play him as a striker yeah. uh, but it didn't work and then from there um, um, um you know um Leicester played on the counter and then um they they scored the second goal i i mean i think the equalizer was a penalty right uh, from that vadi one um abu remind me of how those goals were sort of like scored uh, okay so now in the 37th minute uh, vadi yeah. he, he basically cut across Kyle Walker, which many players yeah. in, the, in the box then like, yeah Kyle Walker, he just looked guilty. He already knew yes. what he had done and he didn't even debate about it. So yeah. then after that, Fernandinho left. Then in the 53rd yes. minute, uh, yeah. Buddy, he, he had that audacious flick of uh, yeah, yeah, of um, Catania's cross, yeah, yeah, where that left wing of theirs was actually exposed. That Mendy's flank was actually exposed, and they netted a second. Yes. Yeah. Then five minutes later, another Vardy penalty. He once again cut across another defender, yes. him Eric Garcia. Yes. Then in the 77th minute, it was. James Madison the substitute with a beautiful color from yes. outside the area. Yes. In the 84th minute Ake in the 6th yard yeah. area of a corner from Mares then Telemans yes. sealed the game with a penalty in the 80th uh, with a penalty in the 80th minute. Um you know I I actually read a, an interesting stat uh, of the back four only Nathan Ake didn't give away a penalty. Um, <laughs> their right back gave away a penalty, Mendy gave away a penalty, and for that open play goal um, mm. by Vardy, it was actually Castagne who exploited that half space that had been left because I think uh, Mendy and Ake were sort of like, they sort of like switched off and Castagne took advantage of that. Mm. And then, um, was who was the partner to Ake on the day? Um, because I sort of like forgot. Oh, it, it was Eric Garcia. Ah, yes, Eric Garcia also gave away a penalty. I guess I think um, for yeah. Vardy's second penal second uh, penalty that he won was Garcia who gave away that penalty, right? Yeah, to complete his hat trick. Yeah. Yes. So, um, in my opinion, uh, my opinion about City is that you know, yes, uh, those are purely individual mistakes. You can't say that. 
you know, Leicester were really the better side. I don't think they were really the better side because um, they had a game plan and stuck to it. I, uh, that's the same way that Ateto was trying to play against um, Klopp last night on the counter. They stuck to it and then uh, they took their chances uh, because I think it was a clear tactical instruction to try and like, you know, when playing on the counter, um, get these defenders to defend without by facing because um, very often uh, these um, city defenders were finding themselves in a in a one v two situation. For like that example, uh, for that uh, Vadi's uh, first penalty where um, um, Walker gave it away, uh, we actually saw what happened because um, Walker was actually caught between two minds. He was wondering whether to track the, the run uh, by the centre forward or to run the to to close down heavy bands. And yeah. you know it was very effective the way Leicester City did it. And you know they got ready with the three points and they are literally top of the league, although Loki they're actually top of the league and I know that that win away at City who actually haven't um, considered five goals um, in, I, I think, over 450 games um, yes, since at the Etihad. And since that, 2008, I think. No, uh, they haven't lost. Yes. They haven't considered five at all since 2008. They haven't yeah. considered five at home since <laughs> 2003. Yes, and that means, and Pep, that was the first time in 486 games of management was conceding five goals in one match. Yeah. Yeah, so you can imagine, you know, Leicester leaving um, the Etihad with three points, having netted five goals, must have given them a, a confidence boost. And um, I'd like to say that Brendan Rogers has actually sort of like, you know, started having a plan B because for mm. a long time he'd lacked that sort of like plan B uh, because yeah. we he started becoming predictable because, um, you know, we know that Brendan is likes, you know, imposing his game. He's not pragmatic, but this time he decided to go pragmatic and it worked. And, you know, that must have given Leicester City a confidence boost. What do you think? Yeah, um, I believe he has really adapted his game. I I thought that this season they would really struggle since everyone knows they'll just play in the four one four one. I was actually shocked they yeah. even got three points, let alone a, a point from this game and they didn't have any. Exactly. Yeah, and they actually didn't have Lily, but we have to be fair. Um Nampalis Mendy was quite impressive on the day. You know, he's actually yeah. been been deputizing quite well for you know, Ndindi, because you know, we know Ndindi is extremely integral to how they play. We know that, um, you know, part of the reason that Ben Chilwell and even Harry Maguire um, looked better than they are right now was because Ndindi was the one who was there protecting them when, you know, Chilwell bombed forward and Ndindi would be the one who would cover that space left. And when Maguire was at Leicester, um, you know, um, he didn't um, face a lot of pressure because Ndindi was the one who was screening the defense, so it used to help him a lot. So yeah. it has to. It's really impressive what um, um, Leicester City are doing so far this season. And another player who's personally impressing me, um, mm-hmm. given he's not really a natural left back, is James Justin. James Justin has 
you know, he's he's really stepping up in the absence of Ben Chilwell. I think um, Rogers has given him that sort of like confidence um, to play, um, um, you know, more. He's sort of like giving him more responsibility. Uh, we know that James Justin played left back um, even when he was at Lincoln for the England under 21s. He plays he played left back against Austria um, because. Um, on the other flank, Tariq Lamptey was the one who was making his debut on the right, right flank. So we can see he's capable of filling Ben Chilwell's shoes. What do you think about Justin so far? Um, okay, uh, the first game when Castagna was was signed, I was really shocked since I expected Castagna. Like he's known to play on both both sides, both as a left wing back and yes. a left wing back. So I yes, true. Justin to play on the right and Castagna on the left. Then I'm seeing yes. that Rogers is playing Justin on the left. I'm wondering, is he really good he... enough? Uh-huh. Yeah, the, the the mental maturity, but he's really shown he's well past his years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, if he continues the way he 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 he, if he continues playing the way he's playing, I think um there is a slot for him for Euro 2021 because um for the squad that faced Denmark and Iceland um, mm. didn't actually have a natural left back. So he's he's silently making a claim for himself. He's actually giving Gareth Southgate problems. And we know that Gareth Southgate actually attended that match. And yeah. I'm sure he must have been impressed by Madison after coming on. And he must have been impressed by James Justin. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but on yes. on the bright side for Man City was Mares, of course. He had a goal, he had an, an assist, he took yes. three shots and he made three key passes. So he mm. was really a bright spot in a dark game for Man City. Yeah, true, 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 true. And, um, you know, City are, are being linked with Brahim Diaz, who is apparently close to completing his move to, to the Etihad. Uh, we yeah. know that um city haven't really gotten to replace vincent company's leadership qualities uh we know that um brahim diaz um is a leader uh he's actually the captain of Benfica. he's actually an fm legend because the number of times i've played football manager and he's been on my side he's always the eventual captain so i think city are actually getting a player by signing um ruben diaz what do you think I think he has everything which a centre back needs to be honest. Like he he'll yeah. he'll be uh, Man City last season they scored hundred and two goals, but they were still years yes. behind Liverpool and it's all because of their defence. Yes. Because of the lack of leadership. Yes, and and getting him will Yeah, so yeah, and you know that that partnership between he and um, uh, Americ Laporte um, is going to be one to watch because I think that's actually a pretty good partner. I think that that could become the best one of the best uh, defensive partnerships in Europe if um, they gel together and you know find a way of communicating with each other. Don't you think that? Yeah, definitely. They'll be defensively good. And now let's move on to a team which wasn't defensively good at all. <laughs> which was Man yes. United when they barely beat Brighton 3-2. to Yes. Yes. And, you know, that was a game that was dominated by the fact that 
um you know they 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 won a handball uh, a penalty right after the final whistle had been blown and before we start analyzing that game what do you think of of that controversial nel mope handball okay i think based on the rules based on the rules it's it's okay like they they changed the, the rules such that you could uh like if there's an infraction which was made before the final whistle like after the ref yeah. blows the final whistle they can call it back then the players have to come onto the pitch blah 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 so yes the the issue isn't with the ref it's just the the rules it's, it's it's that rule that that new rule i think i i don't think um the players are going to the players are the managers and even the pundits um will allow that to continue happening i think that's a rule that will have to be amended because um other than that um that's um uh you know it was a controversial decision to actually even hand um um your team everton the winning penalty uh, yeah. but we'll get on to that and it was actually controversial to hand eric dyer penalty because tottenham was the far superior side um we'll also get to that later but anyway um let's talk about um the game itself could you give us the statistics uh, before we analyze what really happened uh, okay so brighton they had more possession with 54% compared to 46 they outshot uh-huh. man united 18 shots five on target when united had seven uh-huh. and three on target but the better uh-huh. shots the five of them they hit the post Then yes um had an xg of basically 3 man united had uh-huh. 1.6 yeah uh-huh. so that means that's a game that could have ended by three goals to two right in favor yeah, of brighton mm. um okay personally um i i've got comment graham potter uh, graham potter has changed their philosophy you know um he's playing this ex- exciting attractive brand of football um we know that um last season he changed their culture um you know brighton were this you know pragmatic side a lot they were this typically old fashioned english side that you know defends and then plays that one long ball over the top or capitalizes on set pieces to be scored by the likes of glen mare but this time um Graham Potter has changed their philosophy and Graham Potter is a manager actually respect because he's a man who actually beat us at the Emirates when he was managing Ostersand you know um mm. a team that I'd never heard of before in my life and we were <laughs> really lucky to to progress to the round of 16 because they really um gave us a um um a run for our money uh, during mm. the second leg at the Emirates um he beat um he he beat us uh, last december by two goals to one at the Emirates again when um Freddy Lyungberg was interim manager and yeah. shortly after lock- lockdown he beat us again in a game that was you know ridden by Nel Mope and you know that Leno incident and that Guendouzi um strangling him you remember that game you know um but he beat us again at the very last minute um and i think um this hitting the post uh, five or six times was the most um of a premier league was the most um um post that any side in the premier league has ever hit in one match um, and yeah. i think that leandro trossard was 
very unlucky because he hit the post thrice that means that that he missed out on a hat trick uh, mm. because that's that those are three goals he usually could have scored um soli march also hit the post and he was actually named man of the match um i think it was a header by ben white or lawis dunk i don't remember who it was or even webster and um, mm. from a set piece oh, that yeah, hit yeah. the post from yeah. webster um yeah it was webster right yeah and um you know we've criticized him a lot I've, i personally have criticized um marcus rashford for his decision making on the pitch but i've got to admit that goal he scored was a beauty uh, because he actually um you know he dribbled past three players or something and then he netted that um goal with his with his left foot which to be honest with you was my goal of the weekend um and uh we we something else i also noticed from that game was that um you know um, manchester united um you know they they they've got a lot of problems to address um you'll see that um link in the description when i put it on youtube uh where um, um you know one of my colleagues from um our group um, spoke about how you know they need to strengthen that left side of the pitch um especially left center back and right center back um they also need a right winger they need you know um and the type of player to to sort of like screen behind um Bruno Fernandes and you know Paul Pogba you know yeah. they have a lot of problems to address so um give me your thoughts about that match in general uh okay so this game was perhaps the most frustrating game that I've watched, that I watched during the weekend to be honest because Brighton they truly loved to win it like they had so many chances uh so so the match was being left at the far post all alone like twice or three times mm-hmm. and you're wondering at what point they uh-huh. score but uh um, yeah and he was actually awarded the one of the man of the match right yeah and uh yeah uh-huh. i think uh an underrated player who really did well was was alzati in that game like you yeah could, yeah you true find paul pogba in that game up actually paul pogba he didn't create a chance he didn't have a tackle he didn't have an interception he basically and he had a 71% pass accuracy he basically did nothing in that game since nothing Al- yeah alzati was running the midfield yeah so he had an absolute shocker mm. uh yes and and actually i have some 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 more stats for alzate he had a shot yeah he had three mm-hmm. key passes four dribbles mm-hmm. 92.2% mm-hmm. pass accuracy six tackles yeah. and interceptions and when brighton mm-hmm. were being countered he committed six fouls to all the play which i think is so he was actually Yes 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 and um before we move on to the next one what um we've seen that Brighton have have actually been you know pretty good this season um i saw you writing somewhere that they should be on 9 points already this season because um the second game they played was against um Newcastle and you know they they ripped Newcastle to shreds won yeah. comfortably by 3 to nil um against man united we saw that they easily could have won that game if they took their chances better 
um against um you know chelsea, chelsea they they also give them a run for their money because chelsea were also you know chelsea are still trying to find their feet and we'll get there immediately after um but where do you think they'll finish this season i think they'll be okay it it depends on how teams like leeds sheffield do like like that bracket yeah. between let's say 10th to 12th like it's, yeah. it's really anyone there they're, yeah yeah they're true, not really at, at that bracket for everton wolves and let's say Leicester, Tottenham, like that bracket, they're not really in that yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're not in that bracket yet. Yes, but, but I don't think they'll go down. Good. They're too good to go down. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um let's move on to the next one. Um, you know, Palace. these are your your boys. <laughs> um Everton up against Crystal Palace. Uh, before we move on, give us the statistical um aspects of that game. Okay, so um, Everton had more possession with 58%. They outshot Palace 10 with 5 on target compared to Palace's 8 and 1 on target, which of course was by Pickford. Uh, Everton had an XG of 2.27. Palace had an XG of 0.44. Yes. Um, So that means, um, pardon, pardon for that XG again. Uh, Everton had an XG of 2.27. Palace had an XG yeah. of 0.44, which means Everton. So had that means chances. Everton had the better chances and was a better side. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, you know, it's been a good start to the season for Dominic Alvatloin, who's already now on five goals for the season. I know you are extremely happy by that start, uh, because you are a big, massive fan of his. Yeah. Um, but what, um. In my opinion, the build-up for that goal was just on another level um, because, um, you know, Hames gave that pre-assist for... Who was the winger that actually gave the... Assist? Was it Richarlison? No, it, it, it was Seamus Coleman on the overlap. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 on the overlap. Yeah, it was actually Seamus Coleman. That was beautiful football. Um, it was beautiful football. I'll admit I actually didn't watch that much, but I actually... Mm-hmm got to see the highlights and um one of the um, you know um controversial uh, decisions was the decision to award a penalty um against uh Joad for Richarlison's eventual goal um what do you think about that sort of um handball because in my opinion um mm-hmm. he was in an he was in a natural position you know you're in a position where Dine has received the ball and, yeah. you know, he's trying to, like, you know, he's received the ball on his chest and, you know, before before um, the defender figures out the next move, you know, of course, you'll be in a position where you're actually sort of, like, you know, trying to, to move your... You know, when you're defending players of that quality, you, you have mm-hmm. to defend with both your arms because yeah. um, against um, a, a defender as technical as Luka Dean, you know, you've got to try and shield him as much as you can. And mm-hmm. he was as far away... He was nearly... His hand was far <laughs> away from, from where he's actually supposed to be. So, in my opinion, I think that was actually controversial. In my opinion, that was more of a of a ball to hand than a handball. I, 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 I don't think it was a handball, but these new rules where anything below the, the bicep is a handball is 
you know it's 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 something that i don't really understand um what do you make of of that penalty because i know you are you are never to a never to fan and i don't want you to be biased but what do you think uh okay i i want to be biased since like a few minutes b- before the actual penalty uh richardson actually crossed the ball and it, and it hit towards um previously but his, yes but yeah, his hands yeah, were yeah. but they behind his back basically well he he held them behind his yes. back but now for, for yes like lucadinia literally he headed it down and jolwood he's basically changing direction from where the ball was yeah, 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 yeah. to where yeah. the ball is now going so of course his hand oh, has yes. to be left back which oh, is yeah 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 and now when when you look at the vr it's just a freeze frame more or less which makes things look worse than they are true because um i, I was talking to one of my mates and i was telling him you know um if if you actually play football uh, because we do um you will notice that you know replays make you know replays replays are an unfair reflection of looking at things because you know in a replay you you have the time um to to look at something over and over again and you can make your opinion but in real time it's very difficult you know to 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 get out of some situations like that because of course it wasn't intentional but this new handball rule is favoring the attack of course we want entertainment um yeah. but in my opinion i think it was i think this rule needs to be amended or something i know it's new but um i don't think it's going to 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 stay for that long and on that much i think we should just speak about all um um decisions right now because i think i'm going to cut this out um um we'll analyze the spurs newcastle game later but yeah. you know this um dire handball was also kind of similar what do you think about that sort of like incident i think the the one for for eric dyer like he he's basically not looking at where where andy carroll is since he's facing yeah. where the ball is coming from so it, like yeah he wouldn't expect andy carroll to head it back which i think it, it, it's something which you'll see many attackers doing like they'll they'll be looking for the opponent's arms yeah yeah and um i actually uh, read somewhere actually um i was actually looking at jose mourinho's press conference and he was actually post match interview and he was actually saying that you know steve bruce was very happy because uh they were actually the better side and i'll be honest just as i do far superior they yeah. should have won that game more comfortably but they didn't take their chances um he was saying that by the fact they were one nil down at half time bruce was very happy because he knew um that in as much as he's jose's friend and he has excellent knowledge of the game and all that mm-hmm. he was actually saying that you know bruce looked happy because he was just a goal down because he knows it would have been much worse and then um just before the game ends dia I, i mean later in the game uh, dia is is you know controversially handed a handball which um calum wilson goes on to score from the spot kick um you know um jose was so livid he even said he'd rather not criticize the fa because uh he said he'd rather give his money to charity uh, <laughs> rather than to you know 
<laughs> rather than to the FA because it's a waste of time because anyway even um this guy called um this West Brom manager Slaven Bilic also said that you know if he criticizes the FA he'll obviously be fined because you know they are always looking for those moments because the FA is just like that um and and actually let's on, move back a little bit to on 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 yeah on, go on go on go on on the penalties actually uh the the top in premier yeah. history is 106 in 2009-10 we are already on 20 we are already on 20 penalties for the season yes and <laughs> you know um like you know um i think this rule is actually trying to favor the attacker um yeah. of course because we want entertainment it's football um in football um scoring a goal is the hardest thing to do in football mm. because i know you understand that because you are a striker personally um yeah. you know of course we want entertainment but at the same time we don't want controversy and mm. i think this new handball rule is is favoring controversy what do you actually moving back to the clock because we actually didn't speak about it um mm. what do you think about that moment in time when maupe um you know his hand was sort of in a natural position but he's trying to get the ball off of it away from 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 you know he's actually trying to get his hand away from you know where the ball is facing as soon as he can but unfortunately it hit his arm what do you think about that decision i think it's it's pretty much the same as theirs well except for the fact for for nil well as a defender it's very difficult you know like to jump you basically most of the times you have to raise your arms to propel yourself so guys we yes of course eh? guys will end up with their arms up then will continuously just see the the attackers are trying to aim for the opponent's arms like instead of actually trying to shoot yes fast, they'll just be aiming for the arms oh yeah 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 so they can win penalties and thus win points for their sides you know um yeah. i think that's a rule they are, they are going to have to amend you know don't mm. you think huh? yeah. and i also think yeah. that um i saw in in the syria like when i was watching a a, a, a juve game like juve were like yeah a goal down let's say in the last 5 minutes then you find yeah. Dybala on the wing like he's not trying to cross yes he's basically chipping yeah. onto someone onto someone's arm yeah yeah so so he can win a penalty yeah i remember actually um in a game um against Stoke City in 2009 it's a game yeah. i'll actually never forget because that's the day Aaron Ramsey's leg was broken by Ryan Shawcross mm. um Nicholas Benner had the ball and the game was one all so mm. Nicholas Benner um he was he was with the ball and it's just um on the edge of the box and the defender i think it was Delap has yeah. already you know sort of like tracked back inside so he intentionally tried to you know chip it towards his hand so he could win a penalty because at that moment um mm. once the ref sees that you've actually the ball has actually hit your arm because that time we didn't have VAR yeah. that's an a penalty outright and we eventually got a penalty and we scored that winning goal so you know i think it's 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 become psychological i think it's become mental because you know 
footballers are trying to like you know get their teams in a in a position of advantage as much as they can and you can't blame them because even me personally when i play you know you always want your team to come out the better side in terms of like winning even though um lilet was sana but you know you always want your side to come out with a win you know yeah yes so um let's move on to you know the next game um again it's chelsea <laughs> and these are a game that you know i think it's it's the comic relief that we sort of like needed for the weekend you know <laughs> you know that you know chelsea this season have sort of been like the comic relief because um before we we analyze them tell us the uh, the statistical um aspect of the game uh west brom uh they had less possession by a considerable distance 24% yes. to chelsea's 76% yes. chelsea outshot yes. west brom 22 shots 10 on target west brom had yes. nine shots 3 on target and chelsea yes. was at the better xg 2.36 is west brom yes. 0.91 and just to yes. emphasize the dominance of chelsea they yeah. west brom only passed only 4.52 passes per defensive action and west brom yeah. 40.82 passes per defensive action yes so um you you can clearly see chelsea were the dominant side right mm, yeah um so um let me give my opinions about that game um to be honest with you i know they just signed edward mendy from ron uh but um you know you know given this quarantine rules he probably wouldn't have been allowed to play you know he hadn't trained enough but in my opinion the fact that they gave caballero a chance between the sticks um was comedy in its in its own way because um i was trying to tell someone that you know you know you can't be giving you can't be a team with aspirations of challenging for the title and the champions league and you're putting a three capped that eight year old argentina player in between the sticks you know um yeah. the fact that he considered three goals from just three shots on target tells you everything you need to know that he's not competent enough uh we know that um kepa has not been you know the best of keepers over the last two years given he's the most expensive goalkeeper and he hasn't lived up to the price tag but mm-hmm. you have to admit even Kepa at least is better than Caballero don't you do think that um i Because... think especially with the second goal he probably could he wouldn't have gone with his leg he probably would have gone with his right hand yes of course of course of course and um you know this i was try actually bantering uh, chelsea last night i was actually saying you know um they are giving you know um thiago silva a chance as a 35 year old and yet that was the same age they were trying to phase out john terry from the club do you think that's ironic yeah i think it doesn't necessarily make sense then they loan out ampadu exactly and you know they are, they are actually not even giving um a player like malangsa chances because malangsa is someone who can play left back he can play left center back you know he can give them options with that left foot of his especially when progressing the play because you know he was actually one of uh, the best progressive passing play um, defenders um 
in League One last season. So I don't know why um, they're insisting they want to loan him out rather than give him chances because I actually think he can actually form a pretty decent partnership with Katsuma uh, because I don't think Christensen is the one. Um, you know, Christensen is probably playing right now because, you know, they are injury-ridden. Mm-hmm. Right now, because um, Kazuma, I think, was out with an injury, and um, Fikayo Tomori, I don't think, you know, has really lived up to the expectations that Chelsea fans expected of him after doing well uh, on loan at Derby County. Um, and um, you know, um, I was reading, I was looking at Frank Lampard's um, post-match interview. Um, mm-hmm. He was saying that. He lauded their, um, you know, their fighting spirit because, to be honest, yes, um, they showed fight to come back from three down to three all. But you yeah. know, you know, they found themselves in a difficult position. That's um, a situation they easily could have avoided if they'd avoided those careless mistakes. Because for the first goal, it was literally I don't know what Marcos Alonso was trying to do. <laughs> uh, because he headed the ball straight onto the path of Andreas Pereira. I don't know why he was doing that. Um, and then so for the options. second goal, yeah, he has so many options. He even could have headed it back, you know, where it came from. Um, for the second goal, um, Thiago Silva was trying to build a play from the back and he was dispossessed. Um, you know, Thiago Silva hasn't played as, you know, left centre-back a majority of his career. So that one I'd understand uh, because um, Robinson clearly pressed his weaker foot and took advantage of, of the slip and then he capitalised on the goal. And then for the third goal, you know, they didn't maximise on second balls from set-pieces, you know. Um, yeah. Any coach in the world will tell you you should. Ne- the, the one thing you should never do when defending a set piece is to let go of those second balls because James um, was made to pay for the price. You know, he, he you know he, he 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 paid for the fact that he wasn't able to win that second ball. You know, yeah. um, but to be honest, um, Chelsea, you know, whatever Frank Lampard must have said that at halftime must have galvanized them because. They came out a different kettle of fish altogether in the second half. You know, um, at one point they even have Giroud, Abraham, um, Tammy Abraham, um, Havertz, um, Timovana, um, Callum Hudson Odoi. Um, I don't know, there were so many attacking players in that midfield to the point that they only had one natural centre back in the box, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, that was something they always had to do because West Brom decided to retreat and they were made to pay for it because um, West Brom were completely lucky. You know, they were, they were just taking advantage of the opportunities that they got, you know. Mm. Um, what do you think? Yeah, what do you think? Um, I think it really should fight from, from the Chelsea players. And yeah. One thing which really shocks me is the fact that they've spent all that money and the guys who scored the yeah. three goals were academy players. Exactly. You know, Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, and, you know, Hudson Odoi was actually netting his first ever Premier League goal, uh, which is surprising because, you know, he'd been hyped up a lot. And after two years, he's finally starting to score his first ever Premier League goal on a hundred thousand grand a week, which I think is a joke. 
you know in all honesty uh, i know he he had his injury problems but still that's a, that's a big joke you know what do you think i think if you're giving Hudson Odoi the same wages as in quarter your club is in trouble yeah of course of course of course of course <laughs> how do you yeah so 100k a week and he's still a chelsea player i don't understand how he still is but he's a, you know you know that's why i'm saying chelsea are sort of like the the, the, the comic relief that we all need in the premier league you know we need that we need to have a laugh from time to time and i think chelsea are, are the perfect candidates for that you know so um but a player moving who on first uh-huh. with was mason mount of course he had the goal which was a fantastic yeah. shot i think uh, johnston yeah. perhaps could have done better but yeah he was a third choice at man united i don't think he's really premier league quality then he yeah yeah i don't think he's seven shots three on target four key passes yeah. two dribbles yeah completed yeah. 90.7% of his passes which was and a good game um i personally like um a mason mount profile type of midfielder i think chelsea fans really underrate him mm-hmm. um you know you know i think chelsea fans have had this habit of like you know once the the ban was lifted and they decided to go for the likes of Kai Havertz and all that they yeah. sort of started forgetting that you know these um um young players of theirs were the ones who actually played a key part in ensuring they they made the champions league places last season i i personally like the profile of player that mount is because you know mount is progresses the ball well um you know he he carries the ball well um he he is a goal threat and you know and if you know me personally you know i like goal scoring midfielders because i personally am a goal scoring midfielder myself mm-hmm. um so i i like his profile you know um and i think he was actually the man of the match uh yeah. was he was also not yeah so um you know chelsea just sort of need to sort of like take those errors away from their game because the west from clearly capitalized on just stupid mistakes that they easily could have avoided so yeah, um definitely. let's let's move on to the other match um from a match which was, that was a potential shock to a match which was an actual shock yeah 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 um that was um west ham against wolves um, now uh, before we continue um yeah. you know people have you know done fairly poorly this week on fantasy because the average points um for fan FPL this week was 43 i think was it 43 or was it 41. not yeah, i think it was actually 41 so you, so um you can tell that uh players really underperformed and some of the players that underperformed the most were this Wolverhampton Wanderers players with the likes of uh Jimenez um, not giving any points with the likes of you know um Ruben Saiz and he actually scored an own goal despite the fact he's a striker um give us the statistics uh, behind that match before we analyze it uh, okay so uh West Ham's game plan basically was to give Wolves the ball and try to counter them since they had less possession with 36% mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. though they outshot wolves 15 shots 7 on mm-hmm. target compared to wolves mm-hmm. 11 and 2 on target 
their XG mm-hmm. was much higher with 3.06 mm-hmm. compared to Wolves 0.39. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, to be honest with you, uh, West Ham have looked at a different kettle of fish this season as compared to last season. I think after the loss at Newcastle where they were dreadful against Newcastle where they were dreadful at home, I think uh, David Moyes must have had some words uh, to his players because um, against as they were actually the better side, um, you know, um, the midfield partnership of Sushet and Rice um, dominated us. Um, we were lucky to get away with three points. And then this game, um, Jarrod Bowen was a constant nuisance. Uh, this is the first time uh, he scored. He scored his second and third goal for the club. I think he's actually finally starting to find his feet. Uh, he's actually starting to show why West Ham were right to splash the cash for him from Hull City. Uh, because um, that first goal was he, of his was actually a magnificent goal uh, where he ran halfway through the pitch and then uh, he scored on, on using his delicious left boot. Mm-hmm. Um, that that Haller goal was also another... Um, it actually caught me by surprise uh, because, <laughs> uh, you know, you know he, he sort of like came out of nowhere and then headed that goal into the box and then you know how he celebrates, you know, he doesn't celebrate, you know, he just walks and then he... Yeah. You know, without smiling like Balotel used to in the past. Do you remember? Yeah. Um, so, uh, what do you think about that game? Because I personally believe that Wolves were dreadful. Um, new signing Semedo um, has continued his bad end to the season at, at against um, Bayern when, you know, Alfonso Davis ended his career at the top level, you know. <laughs> uh, he had a shocking game, you know. Like, in the words of Roy Keane, I'd say, um, the two um, Wolverhampton Wanderers left backs, uh, wing backs, were dreadful. I'll have to say that they were both dreadful. Uh, what do you think about that match? Uh, okay, so um, at the beginning of the season, I really expected West Ham to to have a really bad season since they yeah. had the, the, the social media controversy with Mark Noble very clear about his thoughts about the sale of, of Diangana. And we are seeing yeah, 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 yeah. actually being benched. Yes. Uh, so, because, you know, they would actually would have done with a play of Diangana's profile, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah. I think since he's been dropped, like, the midfield feels like it has more balance with, with Declan Rice and Suchek. I think and they, Suchek, yeah. Yeah, they and Pablo really Fornals just in front, you know, Pablo Fornals being the player that drifts between the lines. I actually think that's actually a really good midfield. That's a, a really balanced midfield, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. And the back line, actually, I wouldn't expect Kressel to do it to do well at centre back, but he's really shown he's good. He's good at left centre. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and and he gives him that, those options with his left foot. Yeah, definitely. And Antonio is yeah. continuing to shock everyone day after day. <laughs> true, 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 true. <laughs> like everyone I thought think... he's a right wing back. He's just a pace merchant who scores once in a while. But he, he yeah developed his game. Yeah, yeah. He's he's actually you know um you know 
this uh, Antonio guy, to be honest with you, before lockdown was dreadful. Um, I I even wrote him off in the pro in the same profile as someone like an Andre Gray. You know, those some of mm. those worst strikers in the Premier League that are nothing but pace with shocking decision making on the decision making being all over the place. Uh, but ever since he scored those four goals against um Norwich, um yeah. I think that was kind of like the turning point because he's been a different player ever since, you know. Um, he's constantly looking for the press. He's constantly, you know, um, he's holding up the play well. He's linking um, his teammates well. You know, he's pressing from the front. You know, he's leading from the front. He's actually getting goals in him. And then he and Jared Bowen uh, on the other flank are actually giving um defenders um a lot of work to do you know um yeah. going back a little bit to the game um that we played last night against um um, um Liverpool where Mane and Salah were constant nuisance you know um Rob Holding had a shocking game because um you know Mane was a handful to him and Bellerin um, you know, Kieran Tierney and Midland Niles, who are, have been some of the best players for Arsenal of, over the last few months, um, had complete shockers because Mane, was, Mane and, and Trent were making things happen. So I think that's what's happening, you know. Um, you know, we've seen um, Gerard Bowen uh, being a nuisance to that left-hand side for any side in the Premier League. Um, We've spoken again about uh, this um, Antonio guy. Uh, we've seen how he's massively improved now. He's getting goals in this game. Um, I genuinely believe he'll score at least um, 13 to 14 to 15 goals this season, which won't be a bad return uh, yeah. for a guy who's um, retraining to become a striker. Don't you think? Yeah, I think he'll, he'll, he'll really be, be pivotal to their position. Uh, but a player yeah. who they might not want to lose is from the center midfield, Declan Rice, who was immense in this game with five dribbles, five true, true, four true, tackles, true, true. and three interceptions. Now you you really see true, true, why true, Chelsea true, true. want him. Yeah, yeah, and you know he's actually the academic product, so they want him back in the side. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. Yes. So let's move on to the next game. Have something else to add? Um, no, not really. Let's move on to Fulham, who lost three 0 to Aston Villa. Yes. Um. You know, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I've never been this confident before in my life. I I didn't believe Fulham will go back down where they came from. Yeah. Um, you know, Scott Parker is a manager of the future. We, we, we are seeing how he's playing, you know, his strength to play that attractive brand of football. But I don't think it's going to work. Um, you remember Norwich last season, um, you know, we know Daniel Farke tends to play that sort of like attractive brand of football, but yeah. it didn't work in the Premier League. So, um, if he hasn't got the quality uh, to play that way, you know, he's going to have to sacrifice how he wants his teams to play. Uh, because he's going to be on the back end on a consistent basis. And I saw um, their director of football, uh, who's the son to the owner of Fulham, saying that 
you know, uh, they were looking for defenders after the playoff win at Wembley. Two of their defenders have COVID. Mm-hmm. And then Sijui, they're supposed to look for new defenders, but they haven't gotten. Um, you know, it's, it's polarized of opinion um, with the fans, uh, but it's not looking good for Fulham right now. I think 20th place is sealed for them. Yeah. Um, I think that Aston Villa, Aston Villa will not be pushovers this season. Uh, mm-hmm. We've seen um, that they strengthened their side this season. Um, you know, they've had John McGinn back from injury. They've tied up Jack Grealish to a new contract. You know, Douglas Lewis, I think he's finally going to find his feet. Um, Ezri Konza, um, you know, is also not a bad player. So they actually have a, a decent midfield. They finally brought in a half-decent striker in Olio Watkins. Um, I really wanted it to work for the Tanzanian Bumbuana Samata, but I don't think he was given enough time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they actually have Tyrone Mings, who is now a regular part of the England setup. Um, you know, um, they just signed Emiliano Martinez from Arsenal, which is a decision. Um, Feel extremely angry about because you already know my feelings about Ban Leno by now. Um, yeah. You know, he's one of the reasons we actually even lost the game last night because he was constantly, you know, giving, you know, uh, passing the ball um, waywardly because his decision making when passing a football is fine, inferior to Emmy Martinez. Emmy um, Martinez already now has two clean sheets for Aston Villa. Um, the first clean sheet in 56 away games in the top flight and in the championship. So you can see there is a massive upgrade and Villa will not be pushovers this season. Um, I actually think if they back their ideas up, um, they can actually, you know, finish somewhere comfortable. Um, at least somewhere between 9th and 12th in the, if they back their ideas up. What do you think? Because they actually have a really really good starting 11 at least to the spine in my opinion yeah they they, they really they bought wisely uh they bought yes. uh right back from matikash yeah, yeah yeah Matikash. Don't, don't forget matikash yeah yeah he's he's very good he's extremely underrated by guys who don't live in the uk who don't watch the championship uh, yeah, yeah 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 signed another guy who people aren't really shouting about uh but Ranteore. From, from uh, true, Lyon. true from from Olympic Lyon. So yeah. you know that's another good um right inside forward. So you see, they actually have a really a really decent lineup. Unless Dean Smith and Mueku were let down, but I think they actually have a really good starting eleven. You know, and I don't think they'll be pushovers this season. To be yeah, honest definitely. with you, and and uh, give us when... this that. Oh, I <laughs> I. I don't really have the the stats for that game, but uh, yeah. I can give you the man of the match, who was Jack Grealish, who of course had the goal, yes. had three shots, two key passes, three dribbles, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. seven defensive actions, and the player who really yeah. challenged him for that title was John McGinn. John McGinn with yeah. two assists, who two actually shots. gave away two assists. Yeah, yeah, four key passes and two um, dribbles. Yeah, and there's actually that one dribble where he actually gave Amasetan and it was really impressive how he got <laughs> away from his man. I think it was Joe Bryan he got away from. But, you know, um, I was trying to tell people that John McGinn is actually Via's best player. Let, forget Jack Grealish. 
Um, yeah. He was injured for a majority of last season. So um, they struggled a lot without him. Um, you know, I think if, if he'd played, they'd probably had finished higher up the table, at least somewhere between 13th and 14th. Um, yeah. But now people are actually trying to see why this number seven guy is actually really important. And he's also a Scotland international. Like he's a guy from Glasgow. So that mm. goes to tell you he has, he's hardened enough. He's actually a pretty decent footballer. In my opinion, he's already a top six midfielder in the Premier League. And I think... Um, when he eventually signs for a bigger club, uh, mm. they'll actually be getting a really good player. Uh, what do you think? Because I actually think he's a really good player. Yeah, I, I definitely think he's, he's a decent player. Like, nobody really talks about him. Uh, everyone is, yeah. is on about Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish, yeah, because he's English, you know, and so that English passport will always find a way of, like, you know... Um, getting people to hype him a lot. But if Jack Greeley, if John McGinn had that English passport, people yeah. would be raving up around about him like he's the best, you know, English player that we've ever produced. I know that would have been the talk, but because he's English, no one butters an eye, which I think is extremely unfair and is totally biased from an English point of view. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's let's move on to the perhaps the most controversial game of the weekend. Uh, Spurs won Newcastle. Yeah. Game. Yes. Um. Give us the statistical uh, POV before we move on. Uh, basically, uh, Spurs had an xG of three point one nine. Newcastle had an xG of zero point nine four. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, um, okay, um, what I'm going to say about this game is that, um, you know, Spurs, um, were pretty confident getting into this match because they'd ha- just given, um, Southampton uh, five goals away from home. Um, we saw, like, Son Heung-min and Hurricane telepathic link-up. Um, for a tall guy, you know, Hurricane is actually quite a good pass of the football. Um, he already has five assists to his name this season, and he's a striker. So um, Mourinho is sort of like trying to compensate for a lack of creative hub, uh, given they already sold Ericsson and he's ostracizing Adele Ali by using Hurricane as that sort of like you know, false nine-ish sort of guy, that sort of like guy to hold up the play and create chances from by holding, by dropping deeper. And it's actually working for him. Um, Son Heung-min was unlucky not to score twice um, because he hit the post twice and got subbed off at halftime. Uh, he got subbed off at halftime. I've, I've seen he actually has a hamstring problem, which, to be honest, had, has made me mad. Uh, because he was a really valuable asset in my FPL team. And if he was fully fit, I'm sure he'd have scored at least one or two because new um, Spurs were far superior. Um, so you can sort of like understand Jose Mourinho's frustration uh, because um, even I will admit they were really good on the day. They just didn't take their chances. And, you know, it's it's particularly a bit, bitter pill to swallow given that Newcastle were 
extremely lucky to have won that won a penalty that shouldn't even have been a penalty in the first place. Um, Steve Bruce himself was also vocal, saying that they were ridiculously lucky, and he himself also didn't agree with the fact that you know they were given a penalty. Um, what do you think? Um, I think uh, Spurs Spurs were the dominant team, but they faced a yeah. keeper at the top of his form. Caldalo. Yeah, 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 Caldalo. Yeah, Caldalo is he's, he's he's started the season pretty well, you know. He's last week against um what team were they playing? Um I can't even remember what team they were playing. Yeah. Yeah, he was actually pr- pr- pretty good. And then oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it was Brighton, Brighton, Brighton. Brighton. Yeah, Brighton would have won that game more comfortably but Dalo um he's showing why he's putting Dubravka, you know, um on the is Dubravka injured Ama, what's the problem? Uh he's injured. Yeah, yeah, but Dalo is is proving his worth to the team. Um you know, against Spurs, we saw what he can do again. Um, it's a bit like the Leno and Martinez situation where Martinez took over and he was actually pretty impressive. Um, that's what Dalo is doing at the moment. Yeah, so what do you think about, uh, before we move on to the next game, what do you think about, you know, that game in general? Uh, in general, I thought, uh, I watched this game um, at a bar, but, but there was no yeah. So, so I could really concentrate on on the match. Um, oh yeah. I think uh, Spurs they really deserve to win it. Of course, the goal came from across from Hurricane, who of course showed his his creative aspect. And yeah, yeah, Lucas yeah, Mora, yeah. Lucas Moura was at the far post to tap it in. And yeah, 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 yeah. I think this was not merited. It could be a, a a result of basically J- Jose not really going for it. Yeah, he's 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 not really a manager who goes for it as much as others do. Because yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He, he he took off the the players behind Hurricane Son, Loselso, and Lucas Mora for Bagvine, who I, I admit he's good, but. He hasn't played as much this season for Mbembe, yeah. who is very defensive, and for Eric Lamela, yeah. who, of course, he's a he's a workhorse. Yeah, yeah, and you know, to be honest, um, Son Heung-min actually has a hamstring problem. I, 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 I saw it somewhere that he has twenty five percent chance of playing the next game. So I, I, I think he's going to be out for a while. Yeah. Um, but I genuinely believe. Uh, given the firepower they have up top, um, if they keep Ken, Ason, and Gareth Bale fit, they're actually going to be a, a really good team to watch moving forward. And um, actually, so, um, they are looking for, for, for a striker. They are linked with Milik. They're linked with yeah. another guy. There's another promising striker they're linked with. I've just forgotten. But Yeah, um, but Milik from, from Napoli. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, yeah, he's he's actually going to give Hurricane a good run for his money, in all honesty. But you know, no one wants to 
play second fiddle to hurricane so you can understand why strikers uh, snub moves to you know uh, tottenham but i genuinely believe because hurricane is they are they are the man they are focusing on they should have looked to bring in someone like edinson cavani on a free uh, because yeah. um they should be looking at uh, at developing a striker like Troy Parrot who's actually a weird loan at Middlesbrough and has incredible potential to be one of the best strikers um coming through you know um he's people have spoken highly about the Irish man uh, on football manager he's given a five star potential rating so mm-hmm. i think they should have brought in Cavani so that if um Parrot does well on loan and he's integrated back into the team when he comes back he can learn from the experience of a hurricane of this Cavani and you know um, and you know get uh, better uh, from his game what do you think I I think uh, we've seen what what happens to Kane when he plays literally every game his his hamstrings, yeah. his hamstrings they literally tear apart every week true 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 yeah yeah true and now when when Jose doesn't have a capable backup he won't use him because uh, Jose is yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah and he doesn't like working with young players yeah definitely uh i think this would be a perfect opportunity for Triparat but Jose doesn't really want him to play like one out of every three three games he probably wants him to yeah, play yeah, yeah. and to develop then to come back as a finished product he's he's actually on loan at Millwall as we speak so um in the championship so um he's one to keep an eye on for this season so let's move on to um, Sheffield you know Sheffield against Leeds United I'll be honest um I wasn't able to watch that match um so I don't know if you can if you can give us some um, um what really happened because um i understand judging from what people were saying uh, leeds were actually the better side you know it was a derby and patrick bamford had an incredible match and uh, you know my thoughts about patrick bamford I'm, i'm probably going to have to look at the highlights later but um what do you th- um, give us your thoughts about that game in general uh okay so um Leeds were the dominant team. They had 63.7% possession. They had 17 mm-hmm. shots compared to Sheffield's 14. And mm-hmm. they they really they just dominated the game to be honest. Um they matched their their formation with a 3-5-2 mm-hmm. with playing mm-hmm. Bamford and Patrick Roberts up front and Stuart Dallas in the midfield, which I found it weird, yeah. but it worked out. And uh-huh. he actually had a chance where he rounded the keeper but his shot was too weak that it was uh, cleared off the line by Basham. So, yeah, um to Adalas that is, huh? Yeah. Uh um, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Then look look Ailing was incredible in in defense. Uh he had he currently has the most uh, progressive passes in the league like cumulatively the distance. Yeah. Yeah. And, he has the most he either has the most touches or he he's second to Andy Robertson with the most touches in the Premier League i think he, yes he's one of those guys who people won't shout about him but he'll just yeah because he's one of the best defenders in the league 
in the league this season um one of the best fullbacks in the league this season even if um his you know his his stats maybe going forward because uh, people are so obsessed about um you know um fullbacks who who are threat um going forward um his his stats moving forward are not that impressive in the championship because he's he's not an attacking fullback mm-hmm. uh, but he's more of a pass master uh, because I watch a lot of leads but I was able to watch this game um yeah. you know he's 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 good at anticipating situations in as much the same way as Aaron and Bissaka or even Ainsley Maitland-Niles um so yeah, yeah 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 I agree with what you're saying he's going to be Loki one of the best defensive um fullbacks in the league true and, true I agree and uh, the 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 goalkeeper Melie he was he was really good yeah. i remember he said a certain clear chance for Landstrom yeah and you know he's actually a french and a 21 international uh you know the fact that he's putting um you know nani on the bench the fact that he's putting um a three time champions league winner like kiko kasi on the bench mm. uh, goes to tell you all you need to know and you know this is bielsa a guy who's very demanding of his players on how he wants his teams to play so you know loki he is also a keeper to watch i know he's mm. a youngster but he's a keeper to watch uh, but we'll see what happens as, as the season continues Let's move on to the last game of the season that was Southampton against Burnley. Um Burnley I really think you know are missing um James Tarkowski. <coughs> Sorry. Um Burnley I think are missing James Tarkowski and are missing um you know Ben Mee uh, because yeah. they aren't really the same uh, without those two who are currently out injured. Um they've had a shocking start to the season Danny Ings netted against his former club um i think uh, they would be as good as they were last season i think at uh, this time that is un- uh, until at least um the two uh, central defenders are back i think will struggle but i think we'll find their feet eventually because it's daish daish always finds a way of you know surviving um given his pragmatic style of play. Um tell us um the stats and your thoughts about that match. Um okay so um Burnley had more possession with 50% yeah. which is actually very mm-hmm. rare. They mm-hmm. they they outshot uh, Southampton that 10 compared to 5 for Southampton and yeah. the xG was very similar around uh, 0.7 yeah. compared to 0.5. And yeah, I think, so that means yeah uh-huh. the game was very 50-50 uh Alex Nakati yeah. was incredible in this game to be honest yeah right uh Eric yeah. Vestergaard they 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 were really uh strong they they had to fight mm-hmm. this wood uh and mm-hmm. wood, of course he had a, a goal disallowed for offside a goal that was disallowed yeah 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 and um I'm not really sure if Sean Dyche like his heart is in Burnley anymore since he didn't make yeah, any yeah. sub just to prove mm-hmm. a point that he doesn't have any players. Oh, yeah, he he played the same um starting 11 from the start to the finish, you know. Yeah. Um I think um Sean Dyche I don't think he's the type of manager that 
you know, would do particularly well if he went to a bigger club. I think he's that sort of like old-fashioned, typical English manager who who is in the ilk of Atoni Pulis, in the ilk of even a, a Sam Allardyce, the type of managers who, um, you know, will be very good at helping their teams avoid relegation. Mm. Uh, but I don't think he's the type of manager that will, you know, take a team to another level. And the fact that he's been at Burnley for so long, I think he he probably wants a new challenge, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. I think his contract is expiring at the end of this season or at the end of next season. Uh-huh. Yeah, so... so... He, he's, like, he's basically just telling them, you uh, give me players or I can just leave. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true, true. I don't really care anymore, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, I think that is it. I don't think there are any more um, games that that were played over the weekend. Um, uh, yeah. And by before before we finish, um, you know, tell us your 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 your, your um, how 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 you fared on your FPL over the weekend. Wow, my my FPL didn't go well. Of course, I captain son. Like everyone did. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I was helped by Luke Ailing, Andy Robertson, Alex McCarthy, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. DCL, and Salah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the assist. Yeah, and Salah. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. So those were the kind of players that helped you a lot, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, and you should actually join the, the, the league that I sent the code. Um, the classic one because you know we are looking for people who can actually we actually and I think 150 people so we need more people as the season progresses so it can be more competitive awesome. um, but I think it's something you'll do later yeah I, I'll, yeah I'll, so I'll, I'll just add it to the, the the description of the podcast and yeah yeah, yeah yeah if you want to reach us you can reach you can DM me on Instagram at Chobo football. Or you can just send me an email at football at gmail.com. And yeah, email. and um, if you want uh, to get me, you can follow my personal um, blog at thespotmaniac247.wordpress.com. Uh, it's called The Sport Maniac. Uh, you can also follow our WordPress um, at the touchline maniacs.wordpress.com. It's called The Touchline Maniacs. You can follow us on YouTube. Um, Mark will put the description in the link. Um, you'll find this podcast in the in the YouTube channel that's called the Touchline Maniacs. Like, share, and subscribe. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at the Touchline Maniacs, um, and our Instagram at the Touch at the Touchline Maniacs as well. Um, the links will be in the description, the YouTube channel, and follow me on Twitter at Kinyawai, where I give you more footballing insights um but it's been a pleasure um being so on the podcast tonight thank you yes so much and for yeah and you know i hope we can do this more i think i'm available again next week i don't know if we can do this again because i actually like what we are actually doing together what do you think um i will bring you and and, and karen from the first episode if oh yes okay. yes yes okay uh, so, um so. Yeah, thank you. Um, Bye-bye. Bye.